Welcome to the Bluebird Uncaged podcast. We are a collective whose mission is to bring hope and dignity through dance. We believe art shapes culture and want to steward our gifts with wisdom and excellence to point people to Jesus. From hosting festivals and live performances to producing multimedia content to serving internationally, we seek to foster community among dance artists. We'd love to meet you and connect on our social media platforms at Bluebird Uncaged. But until then, enjoy today's episode. Hey friends, welcome back. I'm so grateful to have you tuning in today. Um, Know that you are loved and that you are prayed for. I'm really, really excited to share Leslie's story with you today. Leslie Shivers is a very, very dear friend of mine. She's one of the most joyful people that I've ever met. She's one of the most, the one of the strongest women I have ever met as well. And whenever we're together, she always points me to Jesus, and she's always super encouraging. And I really hope that her story encourages you today as well. All right, Leslie, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. So you guys heard Leslie back in an episode about training at home, but I'm really excited to have her here and just telling her story today. I think you guys will be really encouraged. Um, So we're just going to start from the beginning. Okay. (laughs) Leslie, how did you, like, why did you start dancing? or What got you into dance? So um, my parents tell a story that I used to just dance around the house, like when I was like three or four years old. We had no um, dance background, like at all (laughs) in my family. My parents were both pianists, so they knew like the arts and music but they didn't dance like at all, (laughs) still don't dance. But um, I apparently would just dance like, they said like very balletic movement through the house. And um, as far as they know, I had never seen ballet at all, Um, but I just knew it somehow. (laughs) I knew how to move that way. And so um, they're like, wow, this girl needs to dance apparently. So they put me in ballet lessons and I think I had, well, first off, I had a friend come to the house, and she just taught me. Like, I definitely remember doing the butterfly and the cat and the cow and, like, <laughs> little flex and point and all those, like, fun creative movement things that we used to do. Um, we did that at the house, and then I started, like, formal lessons when I was, like, eight, I think. So maybe a little bit later than a lot of people would start, but... Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so then you just kept going because you loved it so much. Yeah, I trained at like a little tiny studio um, for three years, and then that studio shut down. And it's kind of funny because I remember being at the time like, "Oh my gosh! Like my studio shutting down. This is horrible. Like the world's ending." You know. <laughs> but it turned out to be a good thing because then that means that meant that I could go to a really great school, um, and we found a different place, and um, and that's where I stayed like all through high school and everything, and that's where I got like really all of my foundational like training and everything. So it turned out to be a good thing in yeah. the end. <laughs> Did you always know you wanted to dance professionally? Yeah, I think I did. I didn't. I mean, I think I was kind of like one of those people that, like, that's all I could see. Like, I was <laughs> like, yeah, like, whatever. I have to do school, I guess, and I'll get through it. But <laughs> mainly, I just want to dance. <laughs> I actually remember my dad telling me, like, in high school, like, he would always help me with my math lessons because 
math. I mean, oh my gosh, horrible. <laughs> well, if you can get to 32, you should be okay That's for yeah. <laughs> Exactly for ballerinas, yeah, and just multiples of eight. <laughs> I knew the eight times tables. <laughs> but he would just, he would sit me down and like try to go through like the geometry and the algebra and all this stuff. And I would, I mean, I remember crying like, <laughs> this is so hard. And I remember him saying like, you know what? Like, if you can get through high school, like just get through high school. And then if you want to dance all day, every day, then that's what you can do. And that's what Aww, I did. <laughs> I love it. So did you go through the audition process or what did you have your sights on a company? What did you think? How was yeah, that? I didn't really have like, I know some people have like this certain goal in mind. Like I want to dance with Pacific Northwest Ballet or mm-hmm. ABT or whatever. And I didn't have that at all. Like all I had was like, I want to be a ballerina and wear a tutu <laughs> and wear a tiara and do Swan Lake <laughs> and the Nutcracker. <laughs> and so as long as that happened, like I was going to be fine. Um, so, but I guess just maybe because my older brother went to college, I figured that was what I was supposed to do. And so at the end of my senior year, like I started doing auditions and stuff for some liberal arts schools, like just colleges that had good dance programs. Um, And I kind of quickly found out that like that wasn't going to be the route for me if I wanted to dance professionally like quickly. (laughs) And so um, it was interesting though. Like that year was tough because I kind of felt like all my friends knew where they were going and what they were doing and I had no idea and I just kept auditioning places and um, going around the country like looking at colleges and then I started looking at art schools um, and then companies like just all these different avenues and it was kind of like God was shutting all the doors (laughs) bam 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 like no 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 either I wouldn't get in or it was like I would go into the studio and be like oh this is horrible like this bad place you know just have like that sense and um so anyway it was interesting how God kind of like finally led me to like the one open door so what was that one open door the one open door was the door I did not want to go through ironically Ballet Magnificat um, in Jackson, Mississippi. So that's where I ended up going. Um, but all through high school, I knew about them, but I didn't like them. Did you go to the summer intensive? Or no, I never did. I I stayed away. <laughs> it was funny in my head. My perception of that company was not right. I think, and I um, saw them as a very like modern based company which they actually weren't but that was kind of like the idea I had from some of the kids that had gone to their summer programs um and so I was like yeah stay away from them they're weird weirdos in Mississippi (laughs) so yeah I never went to their summer programs and then it was funny like that last year of high school literally that was the only other thing that I could think of that I hadn't tried yet And so I kind of like out of desperation, like emailed their training program director and was like, um, I know it's August and your year starts like next month. And also I don't really want to come, but can I audition anyway? I don't really want to come. And she said yes. And then I made it. And long story short, I was there for 12 years after that. Wow. 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 Yeah. So... 
So Ballet Magnificat is not exactly, I mean, it is a classical company, but they don't do the classics, such mm-hmm. as like Swan Lake or, you know, Sleeping Beauty, that kind of thing. Tell us about the rep that you learned, and was that fulfilling in the way that you thought it would be, or was it different? What do you think? Yeah, the first, so the first year I was there was like definitely pretty rough, <laughs> which probably across the board it might be that way for most people, like their first year out of high school anyway, no matter if you go to college or whatever. But learning the style of Bally Mag was very challenging to me. I'd never done anything quite like what they do. Because um, they're so, more neoclassical. Yeah, very and very... Um, dramatic like mm. extremely dramatic so basically like the the concept of Bally Magnificat is to very clearly present the gospel to the audience so they yes. don't want there to be any questions about what you saw mm-hmm. so all the movement is very um, demonstrative very dramatic very intense um, and they tell a lot of very intense stories like um, the story of Corey ten Boom from uh, the World War II, who hid Jewish people in her house. They tell the story of the prodigal son and um, Moses and a lot of like very dramatic stories, either from the Bible or from history. Um, there's a couple more original stories as well. Um, but I'd never done such intense, like, aerobic <laughs> dancing in my life <laughs> and throwing myself to the floor <laughs> from my pirouette, you know, and then, like, as many counts uh, or as many movements packed into like two counts of mm-hmm. music as possible. It was it was quite a challenge for me. So that first year, um, I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if I would make it there or if I would want to stay. Um, so I remember like kind of reassessing after that first year and feeling okay, I'll give it another try. Like I'll I'll try this again. And it was interesting, like, how the Lord kind of changed my heart about it and really gave me a love for that type of dancing. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I would say definitely I was very fulfilled by it. Nice. Mm -hmm. So just switching gears a little bit, your first year living outside of your parents' home and everything, how was that just (laughs) practically? Did you have roommates? And Just give a little bit of advice about that yeah well and I was 17 Mm -hmm. when I moved away so a little bit younger than maybe a lot of people but um yeah I remember my mom taking me out there she stayed for a couple days and we went I very vividly remember going to Dollar General to buy some supplies (laughs) like you know just basic stuff you need around the house and we needed like I think was some Windex like Mm -hmm. cleaner for the windows you know And I remember looking and seeing that there were, like, 12 options of Windex. And I just got overwhelmed there in Dollar General. How am I going to make it on my own and know which type of window cleaner? (laughs) Uh, But, you know, my mom drove off, and I baked cookies that night. I remember cleaning the oven out because I thought my roommates were kind of like pigs. (laughs) And I'm a very clean person, like, everything tidy and clean. But um, but anyway, yeah, it was definitely a challenge. I lived in a house. Um, I rented a house with uh, five other girls wow. that year. Um, so lots of adjustments, but really I had a blast. I mean, I think that me as kind of like a homemaker yeah. at heart, you know, I loved like setting up my room mm-hmm. and getting to know my roommates and baking those cookies. It were your fun. roommates dancers as well? Yes, we were all dancers. So some were in the company, some were training, 
um, but we were all within the same ministry. Cool. Mm-hmm. So how many years did you spend as a trainee? So there's two, at Valley Magnificat, there's two levels of training. So I started in level one. Not everybody starts in one. Some people jump to two. But I was really young, so I started in one. I needed to be in one. And I spent one year in level one and then two in level two. So three total before I started touring. And then did you tour with Alpha or Omega? I toured with the Omega company. Cool. Yeah. So tell us about that. Like how many years did you tour? And then what kind of, what do you think your favorite role was? Where your favorite place was? Oh gosh, I know it's kind of hard to sum up. So I lit, I toured for nine years total. Wow. Um, I know, only almost <laughs> a decade. <laughs> That's so amazing. Like such an experience I would never trade for the world. Um, I yeah. So we toured all across the states. We went to usually to Europe once a year. We did all kinds of repertoire. Um, we saw castles and cathedrals no. and streets, and we um, spent a lot of time in Prague every year, which was beautiful. Um, people always ask me what my favorite place was, and I always say Israel just because, mm-hmm. I mean, how can you top that? You know, <laughs> being able to sit, you know, at the Sea of Galilee and read from Matthew or Mark, you know, it, actually be where Jesus was and then dance there was just I mean I can't even describe that with words um but probably as far as like scenery um and cuteness with <laughs> Switzerland I loved um but I was always loved Germany too I felt mm-hmm. very at home in Germany um but it was interesting like dancing overseas as opposed to the states like just completely different cultures um, and I think that the the benefit of dance is that it doesn't use words. Mm-hmm. So everybody could understand, like, our message over there, whether they spoke the language or not. Um, so it was really neat, even though we couldn't necessarily speak to people right. with English words afterwards, um, we could tell that they were impacted. So um, that was quite an experience yeah. for sure. So kind of moving more into the spiritual side, was there a point in your life that Jesus became really real to you? And then how did you see faith and dance intersect? Yeah, I mean, I was raised in a very Bible-believing and um, Christian-centered home. So um accepted Jesus when I was really young. But I think for everybody, there's got to be that moment where yeah. you really make it your own, you know? Yeah, we always <laughs> talk about, like, Christianity is in a car washer. It's not like a garage where you park there and then you're automatically a car. (laughs) So you have to make it your own at some point. And I think that that first year when I was 17 living in Mississippi really was like in a lot of ways that was that moment for me because I was out from my parents' uh, house and they're covering and they're like constant eye I guess Mm -hmm. and I had to decide for myself like okay wow when I read the bible does it make sense to me and do I really believe this and um so I think that that was kind of that year and we had a lot of bible studies at Bally Magnificat so especially as a trainee you're doing a lot of like searching the scriptures and that was really good for me um and I think that like with faith intersecting with dance I I was never really able to find that in high school, like that Mm -hmm. connection really. Um, My studio definitely wasn't a Christian studio. 
And I think in my heart, I wanted those two things to meet, but I didn't know how. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think Bowling Magnificat gave me that opportunity just to kind of explore it for myself and be like, wow, like, how can I make what's in my heart and how I feel about Jesus come out in my movement? Wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that took your artistry to a different place? Oh, completely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's so, it's, it's a completely different ball game when you're like actually dancing from your heart as opposed to just like movement yeah yeah that's cool that's cool Mm -hmm. so what was was there any powerful moments that you saw god working through dance um either in the u.s or abroad yeah i mean it was kind of amazing like it it seemed like the most um like people you would least expect to be rocked by the show would mm-hmm. come up just like streaming tears. Mm-hmm. Like it would be like, I remember specifically a little boy, like he was probably eight years old. I stayed with his family several times um, up in Colorado. And I remember he was dramatically impacted by our dancing and just wrote me the sweetest little note like when I left his house and about how he understood the truth of God's word like so clearly from our dancing and then there would be like all the way from that little boy to like big huge macho men you know (laughs) just bawling their eyes out after but it's just I mean what an amazing thing like it really dance can touch your heart in Mm -hmm. such a a dramatic way um is different from like words or a, a sermon or a song like those all can reach you too but dance just has something special I yeah. think and I think also the Holy Spirit can when you allow your, the Holy Spirit to work through you mm-hmm. and you're not just dancing for yourself but you're dancing for something bigger mm-hmm. we don't we don't even know the ripple effects mm-hmm. that it's going to have mm-hmm. exactly yeah and I think too like just because we were dancing and touring and traveling over there um, we had other opportunities too like that because we were dancers we were just there Mm -hmm. like in buses and in trains Mm -hmm. and at uh you know the airport and so we met like tons of people like I'll never forget Henrik our Polish bus driver (laughs) I spent hours and hours and hours next to him in the bus like year after year and just building like this sweet relationship with this older Polish man that Mm -hmm. drove our bus. (laughs) He would watch us perform, but really I think like the ministry and the friendship came in the bus. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's Mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. So um, you were touring for nine years. How did you know it was time to stop or did you want to stop? (laughs) Uh, Guys, she's still, she's technically retired, but I'm I get her to dance every once in a while. But <laughs> she does. <laughs> Always pulling me back in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, like, after being there for, like, 12 years, like, that would be quite a big decision to make. Right. Um, if you're anywhere for 12 years, that'd be a big jump, um, a big leap, as we would say as dancers. But, um, I, yeah, I definitely remember, like, God kind of moving in my heart and, I still loved it, but, I mean, practically I was just tired. (laughs) Like, that was a long time to do it, and I was loving it. My whole life was there. My church was there. Mm -hmm. My family, you know, I felt like they were my family. Um, But I remember taking a week or two during the summer one year when we had a little bit of time off, and I went to visit my family in Nashville, 
and I love the mountains there, and um, I just feel like God speaks to me in a special <laughs> way when I see mountains <laughs> for some reason. Um, so I was in the mountains, and I went to a coffee shop there and just like was praying through some things, and I remember opening my Bible, and I read Psalm 98 and a bunch of other psalms, and I felt like all the psalms were saying sing to the Lord a new song. And like, that's what the whole Bible was saying that the whole, this, this day. <laughs> sing to the Lord a new song. Like everywhere I look, sing to the Lord a new song. It's like, I think that I'm going to have a new song to sing and mm-hmm. it's going to be great. It's going to be good. But so that's all I do. I was like, okay, I'm going to move on to what? Who knows? But <laughs> the only step God gave me was to move. So... <laughs> Yeah, so I knew that it was going to be, like, time to retire. So um, that year, I – so I – you have to – when you're in a company like that, usually you have a contract. So I had to kind of tell them ahead of time, like, I'm not going to sign my contract um, for this next year. Didn't know what I'd do, but, (laughs) yeah, so kind of in faith. All right, not coming back. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Yeah. So you ended up moving back to – Georgia mm-hmm. with your parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Never um, what I thought I would do. Like, <laughs> definitely was not expecting that at all. Um, after traveling the world and seeing all the beautiful places, I didn't think Georgia was going to be where I would end mm-hmm. up. Nothing wrong with Georgia, but just not what I had in my head. <laughs> no, no mountains in South Georgia. Sorry, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah, so Leslie and I, so... Leslie was going to, her parents went to my great aunt's church and my great aunt was like, Hey, Rebecca, you need to meet this girl, Leslie. I was like, I have no idea who Leslie is. (laughs) And and apparently she told Leslie, you need to meet Rebecca. And she Uh was like, I don't know who Rebecca is. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And one day we were taking open class at Atlanta Ballet and she comes up to me. She goes, are you Rebecca? And I was like, yeah. She's like, your Aunt Donna told me I needed to talk to you. <laughs> like, this girl is a weird stalkerish. <laughs> so, anyway, um, from there, I ended up asking Leslie to dance for Bluebird, and she was actually our dragon in Sterling's Pass yeah. for two years. Super fun. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> it's always fun to play the villain. <laughs> so, just talk about the what. What was God doing in your heart? Like, was it so? Was it hard to let go of dance? Because I know that a lot of us feel like dance is has been part of our lives for almost our whole lives, and we want to hold it with open hands. But that's still going to be a transition of, mm-hmm. okay, what do I do now? God, what are you going to? What responsibilities are you going to give me? What skills do I need to cultivate? Yeah, you know, just emotionally too. Like, what was God teaching you in that time? Yeah, and I think that for all of us, whether we're dancers or not, we're we're always hopefully holding our hands open and not allowing anything in our life to be an idol. But yeah. I think maybe for dancers especially, that can be really difficult. Yes. So I think like <laughs> dance can become like that thing that we really like surround our life, like we really like build our life on that and identify ourselves as a dancer and that's how we find ourselves 
Um, and then that can be really hard if dance isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. So I think like as an encouragement for anybody that's listening, you know, (laughs) that there's life after dance. (laughs) Your life is not ending just because you're not dancing, um, to the extent that you were, um, anymore. And I think, you know, for me, like it was a process of like holding and is a process of holding my Mm -hmm. hands open and allowing God to satisfy me you know with himself rather than the dance or food or relationships or you know activity or whatever (laughs) it might be um but yeah so I think yeah definitely when I moved home it was like okay like whoa what am I going to do I'll still be involved in dance Mm -hmm. and I still you know now I'm a teacher and I still dance like Rebecca said Mm -hmm. like I'll dance here and there and it's a it's a privilege though and I love it like I love being able to pass on this gift to younger dancers and I love to be able to dance on stage when I can and when I want to Mm. (laughs) yeah I feel like when we hold on to things we end up not enjoying it anymore but Mm -hmm. then when we let go we were Mm -hmm. like oh wait this is such a gift Mm -hmm. and I can enjoy it for the gift that it is rather than Mm -hmm. you know trying to control it Mm -hmm. completely so is there anything that you wish you had known as a young dancer that you know now oh how to (laughs) rotate my hips the (laughs) hip socket rather than the knees (laughs) maybe (laughs) oh gosh I feel like for me what it comes down to like what I wish I would have known is just how to let go of my perfectionism sooner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think as a dancer, we all kind of have like a little bit of a perfectionism because we have to work hard and we have to like really make sure things are right when we tendu and when we degage and all of those. But I think, um, you know, what stands out when you're watching somebody on stage is their heart Mm -hmm. and their expression and their, um, you know, you can tell when somebody's really enjoying themselves on stage and so I think I wish I would have, like, let go of all that, like, rigidness a yeah. little sooner. Like, the technique is going to come, and you're going to work on it every <laughs> single day if you have a good teacher <laughs> or if you yourself are pushing yourself. But the artistry and the expression and just the freedom in dance, I mean, that's, like, that's really where the joy is. So Yeah. And I think, too, like, you have to find, it's, I don't want to say a balance, but in that perfectionism, yes, we are pursuing excellence. And God does call us to be the best Mm -hmm. that we can. He says, you know, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I think that includes Mm -hmm. technique. That includes ballet Mm -hmm. technique. So it's not saying you can throw it out the window because, Mm -hmm. you know, if your heart's praising Jesus, like, I know, what would bother me a lot is people would be like, oh, it's for Jesus. It doesn't matter if your foot is pointed. I'm like, no, no, Jesus cares if your feet are pointed. Even more so, point your feet for Jesus. (laughs) Not because it's like, you know, a rule to follow, but just because that honors him and that honors Mm -hmm. him in the way that you Mm -hmm. pursue excellence with your body. While at the same time, you want to check your heart motives. Like, why am I pursuing excellence? Is it just, you know, selfishly so I can be the best? Mm-hmm. Is it because I'm holding on to control of, you know, I know I can control where my, you know, fingers and toes are. So that's what I want to, mm-hmm. you know, hang on to. Or is it just be le- because God's given you this gift of a wonderful body and mm-hmm. music and teachers and expression 
And is that, you know, why you're pursuing excellence? So mm-hmm. I think that's a really good thing to mm-hmm. think about. Yeah. I think, too, for me, like, a little light bulb that happened for me was, like, when yeah. I recognized that my dancing is actually a gift to other people. Mm-hmm. So I'm being kind of selfish if I kind of, like, tight-fist it <laughs> and, like, don't let anybody see it until it's actually right. exactly yeah. perfect. <laughs> you know, like, you have to let go at some point, And people are going to be blessed and enjoy it when you allow them to see it yeah even if it's not perfect by your standards yeah like we're letting the audience actually into a process we're not mm-hmm. actually presenting a finished work of art i think mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. that's really cool about live performance too mm-hmm. is that it's never mm-hmm. the same it's never yeah. exactly the same no Mm-mm. and one audience is not going to have the same experience as another mm-hmm. audience even if we're doing the same steps mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah we're inviting them into the process rather than being like here, yeah. it's done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you're always working on it. <laughs> Which, I mean, parallels with our spiritual walk, too. Yeah. We're never going to be mm-hmm. finished. We have all of eternity to mm-hmm. glorify Jesus and to learn about him and, you know, to keep working. I think, I hope ballet is in heaven. I think it's going to be. I think but... so, too. <laughs> we'll, we'll dance together. Know, we will dance in heaven. Dance in heaven. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> and hopefully my turns will be better than they were on earth. <laughs> hopefully my turnout will be better than you. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much, Leslie. This was so encouraging. Yes, it's been a blessing to me. Thank you, Rebecca. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Bluebird Uncaged podcast. For more information about Bluebird Uncaged, including tickets for upcoming performances, joining our online community, or how you can get involved in future Bluebird projects, visit our website at bluebirduncaged.com.